This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager. Welcome to the show. We are back. We did have two weeks off for July 4th, you know, because Murica. Why wouldn't we? I just wish Matt was here because you know he would say Murica better than I can say it. But in all honesty, we did have uh, a bunch of things going on and we had to take a couple weeks off. And these things happen. It's life. So we are back and we're happy to be back today on the show. Um, we are going to be having Christy, uh, who's going to be a guest host soon. I'm going to reach out to her via email, and hopefully we'll get that scheduled very soon. And, you know, we are still working on the Four Tech Teachers videos. Again, life happens and things get going, and, you know, we're, we'll get there uh, one step at a time. But, you know, we'll just keep plugging along, much like EdTech Weekly now on our 44th episode. So here we go. Let's talk about the first story of the week, and that's a blog on EdWeek that explains teachers at high poverty schools are less confident about ed tech. And there's some interesting data in this article about teachers who reported ed tech usage in the classroom. Um, I'll list some of those here. First of all, web, website creation and editing tools being used. Uh, only about 5% of those in the least confident in the usually the higher uh, poverty schools versus 16% of the more confident teachers. Online videos, 10% of the least confident and 25% of the most confident. Web-based collaboration, 13% versus 23%. And dashboards for student data, we're looking at 16% versus 27%. And I think there's no, there's no real doubt that there's a divide between high and low poverty schools. Uh, this data may point to something a little bit even deeper than that, though. I think this article asserts that you know the data basically shows that high poverty schools are not only fighting, you know, actual technology divides, but also the perception of how useful technology is and the environment, you know, based on the environment, especially of uh, some of these teachers who are in environments that aren't that conducive, uh, you know, l high poverty situations. So I think, you know, certainly the divide isn't an easy problem no matter what we're talking about here, even if it's just funding. But looking at the reality here where that perception difference is something that needs to be factored in, um, you know, because you want your teachers to be confident and believe in something. And, and, and if they're not, that's something that needs to be addressed as well. All right, let's move on to our next story. This is a New York Times article that reports that Amazon is introducing an online repository for teachers called Amazon Inspire. Uh, this is really interesting to me. The service is a place teachers can access lesson plans, worksheets, and other resources in that familiar Amazon format, of course, complete with their massively built-out rating system uh, that I think most of us really enjoy when we're shopping on Amazon. Um, more often than not, if it's got four stars, I'm really going to be happy with it when I get it. So that could be something really powerful. Now, this is also that typical Amazon business sense, right? Attack the market with cheap alternatives, uh, this being free, of course, that are easy to curate and rank. Um, I, I think they're definitely, they're definitely starting free. I doubt that all of their resources that they'll be offering on this platform will stay free, um, especially the new additions, because, you know, they do have to make money at some point here. But uh, in my opinion, this is a service that, you know, K-12 education desperately needs because really, honestly, especially with all the new things with ed tech and who really has the time to create high quality lessons every day you're in the classroom. There's just not enough hours in the day. And it was one of the things I struggled with when I taught in K-12. 
Uh, the possibilities of this, of having high quality, free or cheap, even lesson plans that are easy to access and easy to, to see the ratings of, I mean, this is, this could very well be a game changer. And I, I'm really excited about this because, you know, we always tell teachers, every time I've worked with teachers, we try to say, don't reinvent the wheel. Don't, you know, if they have great quality lesson plans for free or even for cheap, I mean, this could be a, a huge thing for K-12 schools. Um, I'll put a link in the uh, show notes on edtechweeklyshow.com for you that has a place where K-12 teachers can sign up um, and see if they can be a part of the sort of initial beta type offering that they're going to be doing. So something to definitely check out. And we are doing our featured segment as we are starting to do now. And this one is about active learning. And active learning is one of those ed tech buzzwords, uh, something that we've talked about on the show before, uh, Matt and I. And it, quite honestly, you know, just education as a whole, it's not just an ed tech buzzword, but so many people aren't really sure what it means. I mean, it's a cool thing to say, active learning. What is, I mean, you know, active means are they moving around? I mean, you know, there's a lot of questions, honestly, about it. And if you look online, there's a lot of things out there, but some of them are a little too academic and can be a little bit confusing. So I really like this USFSP, that's University of South Florida St. Pete blog article on active learning, and it actually helps clear a lot of this up. And I'll have a link to that article also in the show notes. Uh, Otis Wilder, who is a man I'm proud to call a coworker, uh, he explains the criteria for something to actually be considered active learning. And those four are autonomy, relevance, exploration, and reflection. And those are the keys to active learning. Now, of course, all of them are important. And I recommend you reading the article because Otis does a really good job of succinctly explaining those things and sort of how they work together. But for me, autonomy is the one that I really liked to emphasize as a teacher. And I think, I, I think is very important. Um, as they all are. But essentially what autonomy means is you're letting students decide what types of assignments they do, giving them ownership of things like maybe having them write some test questions. I mean, to me, this is a huge key for learning. I mean, we're talking about giving students choices and that, that doesn't make them feel like they're being dictated to and powerless. Um, as so often is the case in education, students get that feeling like, oh, they just have to do what people tell them to do and that's it and they don't have any choices. And, you know, education is about power and it's not about having power taken away from you. So I think this is a really, really big thing. And I really encourage you to check out that article and uh, go to, again, in the show notes at edtechweeklyshow.com uh, for episode 44. You'll see those links that we talked about in the show today. And, you know, as usual, when I'm, I'm doing this on my own, it, it goes a bit quicker, which uh, sometimes is probably nice for you, um, especially if you have a short commute as you're listening to the show. Um, if you want to interact with the show, uh, we have a few ways to do it. The subreddit is gaining traction. We have over 50 people now that are following uh, the subreddit, edtechweekly.reddit.com. Go there and check it out. Um, if you haven't gotten on Reddit before, it's a really cool place. I mean, I've touted it and Matt's talked about it a lot. But uh, go ahead and check it out. And, and that is a space where you can go and post things that you're interested in. We have a couple people that have blogs that have posted some articles on there. Um, and go ahead and do that because what that's just going to do is allow us to sort of develop this into something where people can go and share things that they think are important, uh, for especially for ed tech. 
and uh, check that out at techweekly.reddit.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Four Tech Teachers. Uh, I go in and out with that. I try, but uh, generally speaking, I post a couple articles a week and some interesting things that I see. Um, and then edtechweekly at gmail.com if you want to email the show, uh, as Christy did. So she wanted to be involved in the show, so she gave us an email. And she should be uh, on the show either next week or the following, and we're excited about that. Um, but just give us a shout-out. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, you can obviously go to iTunes and get the show, and uh, you've, you've gotten it now. So uh, check on iTunes and uh, give us a rating. That'll help us out, and that'll help people be able to find the show. Um, and you can find just about all of this info on edtechweeklyshow.com. And uh, that's it for the show. Um, we will see you next week. Um, I will be on the road, so it's going to be interesting. The audio quality may be a little bit off. I'm not really sure what the Internet's going to be like, uh, but it'll be fun to try out as I am on the road uh, for the first time in EdTech Weekly history. That could be pretty interesting, and hopefully Christy will uh, join us on that. But if not, she'll be with us soon. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time on EdTech Weekly.